Hello, hello, hello. It is me, it is me, your True Hill Phenom, SP3. We are live on the Sports Keto Wrestling YouTube and Facebook for another edition of Smack Talk. We are here to review and cover WWE SmackDown and AEW Rampage from tonight. We have no Rick Uchino here with us. We hope he is doing well. He's not feeling too well. He's under no, the weather. What's wrong with him? He got he doesn't have COVID, does he? No, no, he didn't he didn't confirm he has that, but he's just a little bit under the weather and he couldn't join us today. Yeah, he so. sounded sick today. Yeah. So. I mean he always sounds sick to me, but I mean to each his own. <laughs> um <laughs> no, but we hope he's doing well. We're here to hold down the fort. I am here with the legendary Dutch Mantel. How are you doing today, Dutch? I'm doing very, very well. <clears throat> now like a good employee. Uh, team player, I watched SmackDown very intently tonight. Okay. And I have some very directed uh, comments toward that show. So if you want to hop into it, let's go. You got anything else you got to plug right here? No, just to tell the folks who's watching us, joining us live, remember to drop a thumbs up on the video, share it thumbs with your up. friends, subscribe if you are new to the Sports Keto Wrestling YouTube channel. But yeah, Dutch, let's get into it. WWE SmackDown tonight. Uh, it was heavily advertised for Roman Reigns to be the highlight attraction of the night, which they saved for the main event. But there's a lot to unpack from the show. But what's your, your initial thoughts that you have well, to get out the here? The first thing is they went right into a match yes which, which i kind of like rare so i'm saying maybe they're watching aew because they get right into the wrestling yeah and the first match was the girls and it was sasha banks and tony storm versus charlotte flair and uh what's that girl's name shotsky uh, Sh shotsky yeah uh, shotsky yeah. and a pretty good match you know, if Rick was here, he'd be he'd be elated because that match went almost two, three segments, almost I, right. I, I got all the times this week, Dutch. I I did I did I did expert notes because I knew Rick wouldn't be here, so I took expert notes. That opening went eighteen minutes fifty five seconds, so right, nearly and nearly nineteen minutes, but with entrances and everything. They had the first half an hour of the show basically, and it was it was a good match and a good finish. Yeah, that's what I liked about it because Charlotte is one of those. Charlotte didn't need the win. Tony Storm needed the wins. It wouldn't have helped Sasha, and Shotzi. I don't know what it hit him. Maybe have done her some good, but if she'd have beat e either Sasha or Tony, it kind of hurts them. So it was yeah. that was the finish that was needed because Charlotte she can stand that. Good match, good work. Actually, pretty good commentating. Yeah, so I think I thought the commentary team did a good job of uh, trying to like really emphasize this uh, opportunity for Shotzi and Tony Storm, really bigging up, making you really. If you're like a, I always try to look at this from like a casual viewer standpoint. They really went in on how big and important Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair are, which led me to believe that they are gearing up for Sasha and Charlotte at WrestleMania because mm -hmm. there has to be a reason why they are separating them and they're they're 
their part their times they are together in the ring or in a promo segment they're they're emphasizing like oh this is they have a rivalry that's going years in the making i feel like they're gearing up for that but i thought i i agree with you dutch i felt like this match was really good uh i have a couple of notes here sasha banks uh spider-man gear i thought was awesome i thought yes. that was that was a great little touch there uh they like i said they got a bunch of time and they worked a really very competitive matchup the finish saw yeah, i heard this at spider-man movie was fantastic i saw it today and it's the best spider-man movie of all time i will Didn't not they bring all the other me. all the other spider-mans back well, we can't spoil it for the people. It's a, it's I a, don't a, care. You got to give them a two weekend, anyway. a two weekend rule. You got to wait two weekends. But yes, they. It's well, a, I it's never a, heard it's that. A, it's a lot because, of because hey, the way I grew up, the the movie was about six months before it even came to the town. So and they was well, we didn't have internet or anything, so nobody could spoil it for. Me. But I did I did hear that it's it was a fantastic movie. And uh, Sasha Banks was on the red carpet for uh, Spider-Man. So continuing mm -hmm. her, her connection to that, that Disney. Hey, I, I did learn something that, Natalia, is in the Guinness Book of World Records. Yes, for, for I most, didn't know match, that. most matches by a female in WWE history. I'm going to ask you something about Natalia. She's had some work done, right? I was going to get to that when we got to her. I didn't even interview. know her. <laughs> When we get to that interview, I was going to get to that. But just to finish off with the opening uh, tag match, uh, Storm made a blind tag in. Uh, she had an exchange with Charlotte. Charlotte looked like she had the advantage. She went for her double jump moonsault. But uh, Storm got her knees up and then got the O'Connor roll to get the victory. And then later on in the night, they announced that Tony Storm will get an opportunity at the SmackDown Women's Championship next week on the Christmas Eve edition of SmackDown. So do you think that uh, this this gave Tony Storm some momentum heading into next week? Oh, it what does. Do you, it has. What do you think it, of her chances? What I think of her performance today? Yeah, what do you think of her performance tonight, and what do you think of her chances next week? Well, her chances are nil next week. I mean, but her performance tonight did help her so at least she belongs in the same ring as charlotte flair she belongs there it, you know just by the results of tonight so it's not like they're throwing in some unknown uh, in the ring with charlotte flair and uh, and while i don't i'm not a really big fan of charlotte she is a she's great in that ring and what she can do, she did some moves tonight because she's bigger than those other girls and she's stronger. So she can do those power moves, with, especially with Sasha, pick, uh, Sasha picking her up and moving her around. And even, even with Tony Storm, uh, she did well. She directed those other girls, and she got that, I'm sure, from her dad. Uh, she leads that match, and she leads it well. And, uh, and I was I, I, the match went into its third segment, and I'm thinking, Rick will be jumping up and down because and, – and that's what I like about WWE. At least they changed the format of the show up. Yeah. And we'll get to the end tonight, which was another shocking event, but we'll get to the end when we get to the end. Yes. But the first match, I'll have to give it uh, almost – Almost a nine out of ten. It was it was good. Wow, very good. 
I, I thought it was a very good uh, competitive matchup. Before we got to that opening matchup, we did get an opening uh, recap of what went down last week with Brock Lesnar, Sami Zayn, and Paul Heyman. And we then saw Heyman waiting in the parking lot right. with the Universal Championship for Roman Reigns with Pat McAfee mentioning that Roman and, and that Heyman. Was, that was different, too. Yeah. And he did mention that Roman and Heyman haven't talked since all week, uh, since last week where Heyman snapped into advocate mode, which would be followed up later on in the night a few times. Uh, before that, after the tag team match, we saw backstage all the babyface hailing King Woods backstage, which brings in the Usos to talk smack to the New Day. And Woods challenges the Usos to a day one preview tag match tonight. Jimmy and Jay accept. I have a question for you, Dutch, because you've worked mm. there. Why can't WWE give us a tag team feud without giving us the same tag match we're going to get at the pay-per-view? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, this is the same thing we talked six months ago. I mean, you're getting the same match they want to give you at the pay-per-view. Yeah. Wait a minute. Why don't you give us a tease and just let the guys watch or let them square off with each other? At least build the intrigue. Before you actually get to the event you're trying to sell. I don't get that at all. I mean, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not on the creative team. But if I was there, I'd say, why don't we make it a little more special? Because if it's not special, why would you even put it on the pay-per-view in a prominent spot, the tag team championship, if you see it? three or four times before you get there. You know, sometime I was in another company, TNA one, one time, and we did that. And Finally, I said, why don't we do this? Why don't we put in the writer to come up with this bull crap so whoever loses gets to beat the hell out of the creative team member who came up with the idea? I said, most fans would say, yeah, I'd like to see him get his butt beat, so... But I, I don't understand that. And you brought that up before. Yeah. I mean, like, like literally, like, the Usos, you get a, the Usos you get a, have done this many times in every feud since Jimmy's been back since May. Yeah. They get a contenders match if they beat the champion. Wait a minute. A contender should be two contenders going against each other to see the, for the for a playoff spot to play the champion or, or wrestle the champion. Yeah. And I never got that. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not in the room, so I don't know their mindset on it, but you know, fans think about this stuff because fans have nothing else to do. I, they're not sitting in on creative, like 16 or 20 hours a week. So they think the first thing that pops in their head and that's what we're saying. So I don't know why creative can't see that. I, I think I somebody comes up with an idea and nobody disputes it. Nobody argues it. So they just write it down. And then I, when it gets to the vents, that looks good to me, pal. And it goes. And it's just off to the on to the next one, basically. I, I just I just want more from these because this is a feud that they did a lot from 2017 through 2018. And I saw so many people when, uh, you know, this feud was starting up again, they said, oh, the Usos and New Day can fight however many times. They'll never get old. Well, WWE is really trying to work on that uh, that claim I there. Think they, <laughs> I think they fixed that. 
you know, said, oh, I could watch them forever. Do you see them three times? You go. You know, that used to be the discussion. These guys do all these moves and this, that, and the other. And they say, oh, man. Well, it's good because, but if they come back and do those moves or a few more big moves, now you've seen everything they can do. This is when you need the story to take over. Because if the story doesn't take over, you could actually do half the moves, save your other half for the next week, then save your finished stuff for the third week. But a lot of guys now, you know, I don't, this is an old saying that a lot of guys don't wrestle for the fans. They wrestle for the, for the locker room. They wrestle for the other guys. So when they come back, they say, wow, man, what a move. That was great. And it was great. And the fans say it was great. But you may kill your own angle by doing too much, too soon, too fast, and when it's not ready for it. That is why you have producers for matches to tell you to tone it back down. But apparently nothing... Nobody's toning anything down. So, And WWE, as far as AEW is concerned, WWE, they don't, they don't consider that a competition. No. They consider WCW competition. But now, and I said this, I think, last week or the week before, AEW and, and WWE have totally different business models. Yeah. You can't make $265 million in one quarter by just running house shows. You can't do that because now they got it spread out. Their syndication, their Saudi uh, Arabian deal, and their, their uh, merchandise. And they're making money hand over fist. Actually, they're making more money now than they, they've ever made, right? Yeah. Yeah, this they're, they're making record profits every quarter. So and yeah, they, they were making I, and they were making money back in the pandemic. Yeah, the they the, made record the profits in the, the in the in the pandemic because they lost. They were losing money before the pandemic on live events. So by not running them, they made more money. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I one note that I do want to say: I don't even think WWE wrestler uh, superstars are wrestling for the locker room. They're wrestling for Vince a lot. That's yeah. what it feels like to me when I watch WWE. Because if I if I can see a WWE match that doesn't end with the person's finisher or a roll up pin, I'd be shocked because I don't I don't <laughs> ever see anything besides a roll up, a leverage pin, or the person's finisher ending a match. So yeah, it I don't know. I don't get it. But this is where the show, <laughs> I don't know is, either. This is where the show went off a clip for me, uh, Dutch. I don't know about you, but the pacing of the next. 20 minutes was just insane. So after the the Jimmy, uh, the Usos and New Day segment, we get the Viking Raiders make their entrance. They have a brand new song and stuff. We get a a three-minute commercial break, Dutch. Then we get a a a one-and-a-half-minute recap of Zia Lee's debut, making a save for Naomi from uh, Sonya Deville, Natalya, and uh, Shayna Baszler last week. Then we go backstage for an interview with Natalia, who calls herself a Guinness World Record holder for most matches and pay-per-view matches by a female in WWE and calls out Zia Lee. That takes like two minutes. Then we get a full Raw recap, which is two and a half minutes long. 
Then we get about 30 seconds of Jinder Mahal and Shinky's entrance. And then we go to another two and a half minute commercial. That means that the Viking Raiders were in the ring for 10 minutes. And doing before nothing. Before the match started, Dutch. Right. I, I, I will never understand how weird their pacing is. And, like, I literally look for it now. I expect it now. So I had to write these notes and these number times of how long the Viking Raiders were in the ring. I got them, too. So. <laughs> but I didn't keep the notes, but I said they had to be in the ring. I mean, I didn't keep the time. But they had to be in the ring at least 10 minutes. Yes. And you don't really know. You know, we can sit here and say, 10 minutes is, but if you're in the ring and I've done this too, I go to the ring and stand there through, you, you, you might see a, uh, an interview on the screen and, but I've, I've never stood there 10 minutes, but Jack Swagger and I, we probably stood there one time, six or seven minutes. And even the people get tired of hollering at you. You know, I mean, you can only say so much. Yeah. You can only keep them up so much. And then when they started back, then you start moving around. And the people, you see them said, thank God we're done with that. So, And everybody's in agreement. Hey, let's get this show, this show running. Okay, now since we got to this part, what are your thoughts on Natalia? Uh, so, yeah, the Natalia interview, <laughs> I thought it was fine. But my Lord, the angle in which, I don't know if that's her best side or not, but the angle in which they had it, it was just so obvious how much work she's had done on her nose. Like it just literally, I was like, I was like, how does she breathe? Like, it's just like, it's like this weird shape. It's like pointy on the side. And then the nose goes up like that. It's just weird. And she's a beautiful woman. That's why I don't understand how much work she's gotten done on her nose. And her eyes too. Yes, and and uh, actually, Christopher so Ryan was, Ryan Cooper said, "Yeah, I I noticed that too. Her lips. I think she got work done on her lips too." <laughs> so, what was that line she said? I'm the not, I'm not the best there was. The best there is, but she's the best of all time. What did she say? Yeah, she's the boat. She's the best of all time. So that's going to be her saying now, right? She, she's been using it off and on for over a year now, but yeah, it seems like she's going back to it in, in lieu of this uh, Zia Lee program. Okay. But hey, she looked okay, but uh, you, you could tell she's had a, a lot of stuff done. Yeah. I tell a joke one time, I said, the guy come up to me one time and I, I looked at him, I said, you've had a little plastic surgery, right? He said, yeah. How'd I look? I said, hell, you look great. Who in the hell are you? <laughs> I don't even know who you are anymore. Yeah, but you look great. <laughs> so well, we went from from Natalia to the Vikings. Yes, the against Vi- against Jinder Mahal and Shanky. And now, how big is that Shanky guy? Is he six? Is he seven one? I think he's about six foot eight, six foot nine. But you yeah. know, in comparison to everybody it. else, they could stretch it and say he's seven yeah. foot tall. Yeah. Hey, I'll say one thing for a guy that big, he moves good. He does. He he was actually moving better here than what I've seen from him before. Uh, one note that I have here from the matchup, because I, I was listening to commentary, which is rare for me, but Michael Cole just got me, just had me the commentators my head. tonight, I think, were better. But Michael Cole had one head scratching uh comment in this match. What do you think? 
where he asked uh, Pat McAfee, how can how can uh, anyone tell the difference between Eric and Ivar of the Viking Raiders? Because Eric is just as big as Ivar. And I was just like, one has a bald head, one has long hair, you idiot. Like, why would yeah. you ask? Why would you ask? How, how can we tell the difference? Okay, one Ivar, has- Ivar is the big one. Yes. And the other guy's name is what? Eric. Eric. Hey, that Ivar has got some pretty good moves to be so big. He's he's always been a good worker, even from his time in like Ring of Honor as uh, Hanson. He's you know when he put up. when he puts that when when he gets slammed on top of you, I man, that is a pretty dangerous move. Knock the wind. And then right he out did of that dive tonight, and when he got up there, you could feel the fans; they're already buying into that. Yeah. And when he landed, and I'm glad we got a finish too. That was a that was a good finish. I'll say one thing. I think WWE got their finishes right tonight. I think they went so, about they went about four minutes forty eight seconds. Viking Raiders get the victory with Ivar with the top row splash on Jink on Shanky. Uh, after the match, we get a, a what? But I I under I listened to commentary like I said on this show, and it, it felt like they were they were kind of pushing the idea that the Viking Raiders would be next in line for the Usos. For the tag team titles, how would you like that match, Dutch? Against the uh, Usos? Yeah, Viking Raiders versus the Usos. I'm not feeling that. No, not really. But I think they they played with those. See, if you're going to get a team that's serious for the people, I think last week kind of cooked their goose too, when they was talking to, uh, about they. You had. Uh, with the King Woods segment. With King sure. Woods, yeah, he said, uh, yeah. we're the greatest tag team ever. And then he says, no offense. No, no offense. And then I said, oh, no offense taken. I think maybe if they'd uh, maybe bowed up just a little bit. But I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but see, uh, those big guys, big guys like that are hard to get over. Yeah. And if, if they're going to be against the same guys, not every, I mean, this was a new matchup. But hell, if we come back next week, if they're against Shanky and and Mahal again, we're back to the hey, the, the Lotharios weren't on the show tonight. No. So that that kind of surprised me. So maybe they they considered it finished up with Shinsuke and uh, Boogs because they beat them last week. So maybe that's the end of that. But they're issue on there. SmackDown, so and they only use. 20 of their talents, I think, is all they use. We, we, we've been averaging out like under 20 with the amount of superstars that they have on the show. They always tend to only use under 20, it seems. Okay, catch me up on this. NXT, what kind of style do they, what kind of style are they doing now? They're doing, they're doing more like the main roster style. Before it was more of like, an independent like Ring of Honor or like TNA when you were in uh creative, that type of like main event type of uh, style that they were doing there. They were doing that. Now they're just doing the WWE main roster style, basically. So they're doing the style that they're all three brands are doing. Yeah. Don't you think it was better when NXT was doing their own brand? 
Yeah, because it was uh, catering to the hardcore wrestling fans that want to see that type of in-ring well, work. But I feel like Vince just said, you didn't win the war for hardcore fans on Wednesday against AEW. So we're going to start gearing it more to bring these guys to the main rosters to become stars. So they have to learn the main roster way in NXT. See, this is the problem with talent today. And if you, you if I've told some of these guys this, they look at me like, Shut up, Boomer. You don't know what the F you're talking about. But see, when I broke in, there was 32 different companies with 32 different styles. So if you went to Florida and you went to Georgia and you would see the... And every territory had a distinct... Not necessarily that much different, but a distinct style. Mid-Atlantic had a distinct style. So did Memphis or the Tennessee... So did Adam, so did Texas, uh, Minneapolis, uh, New York. They all had a yeah. different style. But now, and see, if you started back in those days, you were exposed to all those different styles. So if you went to somewhere else, oh, and a lot of guys that would stay in territories a long time, they liked to see the other guys come in because they would see what they were doing to see what they're, they weren't learning. But the, and the new guys who came in, see somebody come in from uh, to mid Atlantic from Florida and they'd watch them. And it was a little bit different. So I used to watch a guy, I bet I could watch him five minutes. If he was like, if he had been in the business two years or less and tell you exactly from the territory, the guy came from. Because just watching him work, because he had different little nuances that certain guys in certain territories would do. But now, getting back to my point, these guys are only learning one system. They're learning WWE system. Yeah. And that's what I think uh, AEW is doing. They don't, they, don't, they don't even fool with that system. No. They go and they do it their way. And a lot of people are liking that. And they have guys that know that system and kind of try their best to put a little, like, their own unique touch on that system. Like Cody, Cody basically does the WWE, still does a lot of the WWE style, but he adds in a bunch of stuff that he learned during his time on the independents. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in just a minute, but. For sure. And I'll tell you what I think about AEW tonight. Yes. Uh, where we at here? We then got another recap. Uh, I just wanted to confirm here. Yes, that is the fourth recap in in just the first hour of the show. We get a recap of what happened last week with Drew McIntyre and uh, Adam Pierce with the sword in the desk, as well as uh, Corbin and Madcap stealing the desk. And apparently, they moved the desk from Los Angeles all the right. way to they, Chicago. They took, it, they took it with them. Wow! And Crazy. did you notice he stuck the the sword in straight up? Yes. And when it come back, it was over like this. It was slanted yeah. to the, to the yeah. side. Makes sense. So, uh, that leads us to a happy talk with some bad, bad. Let me, let me, let's denote that was the worst in ring, I think. <laughs> that was I one had, of the worst in ring segments I've, I've, I've seen ever seen. The jokes, ever sometimes, seen? the jokes sometimes are mildly entertaining. These jokes bombed. I don't even know what he was talking about. And it was just a bad, bad, bad in-ring. 
even Drew McIntyre coming out at the end, he couldn't save it either. It is what it is. It sucked. So, and I'm thinking, why would they put Happy Corgan and Madcap Moss the top of the hour of the second hour? I that, that's the that the placement of the segment. I was just like, I was totally baffled by it. I was like, do they want to lose viewers for the second hour? Like, I that's was thinking what's their that. goal. Wouldn't that, yeah, wouldn't that get people just to let's go somewhere else for a see your uh, the top of the hour is where you don't want to lose them because that's when they're switching. But I think when they saw Madcap and Corbin come out, I think they switched before the top of the hour. They, you had basketball on today. There's a bunch of stuff that and, people could have turned to. And some bowl games. The bowl game started yeah. today. Bowl games. People could be out watching Spider-Man. And you're going to put on Happy Talk with some of the worst jokes I have ever heard in my life. Not even not even just the worst jokes. The worst delivery of yeah. the jokes I, I have ever heard it. in my life. It was just bad. Like he did. He, it sounded like he wasn't even sure a lot of the times what the punchline was, and uh, they used they used the sword as a hat rack. McIntyre comes down when they uh, failed to pull the sword from the desk. He lays both of them out, and then he gets the sword from the desk. I I, I said this. I said this on uh, Twitter today, Dutch. But I will ask you for the limited stuff you have seen with Drew McIntyre. I have to say this is one of the worst post WWE championship runs I have seen Dutch. He was in a feud with Jinder Mahal about the sword and destroying a motorcycle and stuff like that. He was then he, that feud lasted a few months. And then the next feud he's in is this with happy Corbin. This is one of the worst follow-ups to a WWE championship run that I've ever seen. Well, that's I, Rick. We used to debate him and we liked, I did. I liked Happy Corbin when he was broke. Yes. He was more entertaining, and I thought they would kind of turn him babyface, but now they're trying to get heat with him, and he's, he's, it's just a joke. I don't, I, I don't think you could get heat on the guy if you doused him with gas, gasoline and threw a match on him. No. He, he, he couldn't get any heat. It's just I think it's one of those failed experiments that they're going to stay with it but hair lips every son of a gun in Texas. And, and it, I, will, it, it will eventually get worse and worse and worse. And then they'll just have to can it or they'll have to break them up and run them against each other, which nobody else will give a crap about. I so just they don't have what they call go away heat. Yes, they you do. You just want to turn the channel. I just don't understand because that, that character, the broke Corbin bum ass Corbin was working. So how do you no. and, and even in even the initial turn to happy Corbin? Everything made sense. The story was was, was good. He was fine on right. his own. When you put Mad Cat Moss with him, this has been an albatross around this entire gimmick where Happy Corbin might be the worst version of Corbin. And it's not down to anything he's done himself. It's down to this lackey you have decided to latch onto him. <laughs> Oh, it's horrible. This uh, I've seen a lot of in-rings, and you would know more about in-rings of WWE, but it was the worst ring I have seen in the last 10 years, I'd say. 
I, I, I couldn't name you a, a more worse in ring than what Corbin delivered tonight. Now, I, he, he did it as best as he could do it. That's what he was given to do. But I hope creative sees that hit laid the big proverbial egg and it broke and it was it was awful. It was embarrassing is what it was. They, they they went for the sword in the stone gimmick, which I thought they would with the sword in the desk. So I mean that was that was fine for them to pay off that, but my God, the, the journey there was not worth it all. Um Hey, I, I think the the like you said, thirty minutes up to that top of the hour was probably a really crappy thirty minutes, I think. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I don't I'm know, looking I, like, for things to like. Yeah, like I think I didn't like anything until like the final 30 minutes of the show. Mm-hmm. There was like a, a big one hour period of the show where I, I literally yeah, it was it was th- one of those Yeah, it's throwaway TV. It's one of those moments where it's like if I'm not doing this show, I'm not watching this. I'm not watching SmackDown. Like that's that's where I get sometimes when this I'm is why I think the like- ratings don't really drop off that much on, on SmackDown. I think the people go to sleep. And they forget to change the channel. They go, like, oh, is it about over? And then they start watching it. <laughs> That's what I think. Oh that, my sounds, God. That, that sounds realistic. I won't, I won't front. Uh, <laughs> backstage, we go to Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville, who are approached by Sami Zayn. He wishes them uh, happy holidays, but it's just a scheme where he's looking for another shot at the Universal Championship. Instead, <laughs> they announced the 12 Days of Christmas, 12-man... Yeah. Uh, was it a gauntlet or a battle royal? It's a gauntlet. 12-man gauntlet, gauntlet, yes. gauntlet, and he's gauntlet. in it. To determine the next challenger for the Intercontinental title. So he went in for a Universal title match. And yeah. he walked out with an opportunity to get an Intercontinental title match. He has to beat 11 guys now. 11 guys. And he, <laughs> he made. He the, got he, beat he, up he, by two guys in his Universal title match. Now he got a verse 11. Well, I like Sammy. He's entertaining. But he can only be as entertaining as what they give him. And I don't know how you can make. They put him in a gauntlet match. Other than, and what they're doing, it kind of turning in babyface, really, because of the way he's getting treated. People are starting to feel sorry for him, or think that he's funny with with Brock. Well, he and, is, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, he's a good, a good talker, and he looks good, and he's a great, great uh, worker. Yeah, but he deserves better than what they're giving him. You know Absolutely. what I mean? No, 100% agree. And it, uh, I mean, a lot of people have been speculating that a lot of this camera time and him mixing it up with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar is down to his contract that is uh, supposed to expire next year. But it seems like he might resign after his good friend, his longtime uh, friend, Kevin Owens, just mm-hmm. resigned with WWE. What's your thoughts on Owens kind of spurring the, the rumors and the speculation that was going around that he would go to AEW and deciding to resign with WWE? A three year deal worth two to three million dollars per year, Dutch. So he that makes him Owens. One of the, Yep, that makes him one of the highest paid uh, wrestlers on the WWE roster. So what well, do you think about uh, Owens re-signing with well, WWE? Well, great, great for him. But if I was, I mean, if I, I don't see that he's worth $3 million. I don't. Nothing, I'm glad he got it. 
and he can thank AEW that 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 money went up. Yeah, because if he just dangles that carrot out in front of him, well, he'll go, he'll go. But we've said a hundred times, AEW can only take so many. That show tonight, which we'll get to in a minute, hell, that they had. Uh, uh, they, eight eight man. Six they man. had more people in that one hour show on this on that show than they did yeah, on they, this show. Right. They had, but, and I don't know how he pays. I guess he pays very very well. I think what I heard. So, but, and you don't have to. I don't know, but if he got two or three million dollars for three years, more power to him. So, I if mean, he can last three years there. He'll have enough to retire. I, I would say also, besides AEW, Kevin Owens should be thinking Adam Cole and Brian Danielson because mm. from what they have said in interviews since they signed with AEW, when they were able to hear both offers from both sides, they said the AEW deal was comparable to WWE. Mm. WWE did not want to allow Kevin Owens to even hear the offer from AEW, legally be able to hear the offer from AEW. They signed him when he was still under contract, re-signed him, offered him a boatload of money. He is making on the level of a Roman Reigns, a Brock Lesnar, a John Cena type of money now. I think it's it's him, Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins, Charlotte Flair, kind of in that zone right underneath the Roman and Brocks of the world. So this is, I mean, I... I I do agree with you. He should thank AEW, should thank those guys that went over there. But I'm very happy for a guy that wants oh, to I be – he wants to be a lifer in WWE. He's always been a big WWE fan, and this I is the place for him. I mean, if you get somewhere and you get used to it, you get used to the system, you get used to the structure, and somebody else offers you almost comparable money, but you don't know how the grass is not necessarily greener yeah, on the other side. On the other side, it's going to be different. And I would say where you know what 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 it's like. You know, WWE is not going to go out of business, and I don't think AEW is either. But I think you got a better chance uh, with WWE long term than you would with the AEW. I think they ha- they do have more influence in 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 Hollywood and in the advertising field than AEW does at at this yeah. point. It may change later. It may move more in AEW's direction. But more power to him. So who else is coming up? You said Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is coming up. Uh, Johnny Gargano and Kyle O'Reilly from NXT are current free agents. They just had their deals expired last week with WWE. So there's some speculation that both guys could show up in AEW more for Kyle O'Reilly because Adam Cole did make a tease on Dynamite this week that he has a special Christmas present for the Young Bucks on Dynamite this week. So a lot of people think that might be Kyle O'Reilly. NXT, they may not want to sign say Gargano because they changed their whole system. Yeah. They changed their whole talent system and they may not want his style any longer and they may not want to sign him and he may be forced to go to AEW or go the independent route. I I don't like him to do that because that independent route, uh, 
nothing is guaranteed. It may be guaranteed with AEW, but and I think fans lose sight of how tough this business is sometimes. Because back in the 90s when Vince kind of ran all the mom and pops out of business, you know, you either worked for WWF or WCW or you didn't make any money. Yeah. That was before the independents were even offering any money. Because they were offering like bottom money or something. And I've, I've told more promoters, I said, I'm not doing that. They said, well, I'll give you this. I said, no, you're not going to give me nothing because I'm not coming. And now you up that offer, I might be there. And so they didn't up the offer, so I didn't go. <laughs> Move so. on. <laughs> uh, next on the on the show, we had Cesaro going one-on-one with Rich Holland. Uh, before the bell, Holland nailed Cesaro in the ribs with yep. the shillelagh after oh. a distraction by uh, Sheamus. And then uh, that that plays into the matchup. We come back from commercial break. His ribs. But we come back from commercial break. He's already taped up. Yeah. They must have run out there real quick and and wrapped him up. And I'm thinking, well, why don't you? We see the guys telling him, why why can't you see the medical personnel that have that have wrapped him up? If you're going to tell the story, and then when the match, what was the finish of that match? They beat him or. Uh, the finish was Sheamus distracted him again uh, as he, they were walking on the outside, and then Ridge Island hit him with a power slam for the win. Right. Three minutes that went. And then wasn't he laying on the outside at the end, Cesaro? Uh, yeah, they gave him a kick at uh, post-match, and then Cesaro rolled to the floor. And why didn't you see the medical personnel then if he was supposed to be hurt? You That's see a it very in, good question. No, seriously, you see it in the NFL, you see it in the NBA, you see it in uh, pro tennis or even I- anything else, or baseball. You see some medical attendants around taking care of the guy. But they just leave him laying out there. Not even a referee came around. That's one thing I think WWE is really, really lax on. Yeah. They don't want anybody else in that screen. I don't know. It's weird. I mean, it's you can ask really creative, weird. but I guess I guess Vince doesn't like that. Because logically, no. let's say you and I were writing the show and we see, oh, he's going to get hit in the ribs. Well, okay, we say, well, how can he continue the match? Oh, we'll come back and he'll be taped up. And I said, well, and I would suggest, why don't we see the guys out there attending to him which to the visit to the viewer or to the fans, he needed help, and they're telling him, "No, you need to stop. No, I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm going in." And let him fight through the through the pain. Even the announcer saying, "Well, he shouldn't have done this, but he did." So it kind of shows that he's a battler. And then at the end, when he gets hurt again, they're checking on him again. Like we told you not to go in there. How, how bad is it now? So that tells a more complete story, which WWE seems like they don't always have the time to tell. Well, I mean, that's to me, that's if you're going to tell the story, tell the story. It may take you an extra, it's going to take you an extra minute, but you can shave that minute somewhere. I mean, this is a live show. But they did have a great house in Chicago. 
They did. I, I thought the crowd was very much into the opening matchup. Uh, they were definitely into the main event segment. Uh, after Holland and uh, Cesaro, we got we see Drew McIntyre backstage. He's got Corbin's hat on. He's looking for Corbin. Uh, we then move to the arena again, and Naomi makes her entrance. We come back for commercial break, and she has a Christmas list. And she says she wants for Christmas is a match with Sonya Deville. But Deville comes out to make a match for Naomi versus Shayna Baszler. Uh, Baszler attacks Naomi from behind after distraction from Sonya and targets Naomi's leg. The bell rings. 29 minutes later, to Naomi reverses a heel hook from Baszler to a leverage pin to get the win. And that was it. That's yep. all we got. And then, ba- uh, and then uh, Naomi goes out of the ring, and there is Sonya Deville. Deville standing just her down. 20 feet around her and, you know, why does uh, why didn't they tell Sonya Deville? Why don't you be a heel and run away from her, even though you've told her not to attack you, that you will fire her. So, but she just stood there. They, it's the to me, it's the little things. Yeah, just fill it in a little bit. It's the little things. Who was in the ring tonight? And they started shouting CM Punk. The uh, crowd. I forget. I think that was during the happy talk. During happy talk, that, that it they, was. They started. Was. Chan- they started chanting CM. See, Punk. and it was in Chicago. Yeah. See, and what Punk. do what do they expect when you put up a segment like that? Do you expect them to really be entertained or be into that segment? <laughs> like, what did they think? Well, they are literally inviting AEW and CM Punk chants sometimes. I heard tonight that the concession people doing that Happy Corbin interview. They did a record run on beer. They sold like seventeen hundred and some odd beers during during that time. And Every after person. that, they went back and asked them, "Can you send Happy Corbin out there one more time?" We gotta make. So, we gotta make. So we we'll, gotta make rent. We'll sell out a beer. So. Uh, to finish up with all the Happy Corbin stuff on the night, uh, we go backstage. Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss are hiding and are found by the backstage interviewer. Corbin makes fun of Drew and makes a match with Drew McIntyre and Madcap Moss for a pay-per-view. Yes, the day one pay-per-view on January 1st from Atlanta, Georgia. So it's Madcap Moss versus Drew McIntyre. Who wants to see Boy, this, got- Dutch? Who yeah. wants to see this? That's got some intrigue behind it, doesn't it? Oh, I don't, I don't get that. I don't understand. I do not get that at all. I don't understand. I really want to enjoy this show. And there was stuff about this show that I did enjoy. It just wasn't anything with Madcap Moss or Happy Corbin. Well, um, I enjoyed the first thirty minutes. The girls did great. I thought they did. They Very did. Good. And and then was excruciatingly long boring one hour and then we finally got back to that you know when I saw the Usos start going to the ring who did they who did the Usos take on they went against the New Day the uh, I mean uh, episode 477 of Usos versus New Day oh yeah but But this was was a quality tag team match yeah it was 
New Day did get the victory uh, after Kofi hit Trouble in Paradise on Jimmy for the win. And they gave they gave them about eight and a half minutes. So this was one of the other, besides the opening tag team match, this was the only other match that was worth a damn on the show. Good match. Good finish. I think the finish was right, too. So, but when did, when did Roman Reigns come in in, in the other car? After the New Day beat the Usos backstage, we see Roman Reigns finally arrives. Uh, Paul Eamon opens the door for him. Roman yeah. Reigns throws out the other door. The other he door. Tells, he tells... Uh, uh, and that Paul tells Eamon. a story, right? Exactly. That t- Just one thing tells the story, and he didn't get a... He said, let's go to... Yeah, he let's said, go, let's go, let's go, go to, to my, my ring. ring. Let's go yes. to my ring. The Bloodline uh, make their entrance to the ring. Uh, Roman calls out the Usos for losing tonight, saying that he hates when he sees his cousins lose, but he says they're blood, so it's okay. And then he calls out Paul Heyman, saying that he is in his blood like Jimmy and Jay. Roman starts interrogating Heyman on all the Brock Lesnar. But then he he hugs him. Yeah, but but he he went through all. They they told a nice story here with with what he was saying. They did. Because he asked, did you know he was going to be at SummerSlam? Did you know he's going to be at Madison Square Garden? All the questions he's been asking. And then uh, Reigns finally asks Heyman if he is a special counsel or an advocate. Heyman gets the microphone. Before he's able to speak, Roman asks, why is Heyman protecting Brock from Reigns? Which Heyman, with the best facial expressions ever, slowly says, Heyman says he isn't protecting Brock Lesnar from Roman Reigns. He is protecting Roman Reigns from Brock Lesnar. The Usos start getting mad. They tell Roman to get Paul for disrespecting him. Reigns calms down. He hugs Heyman. He thanks him for everything. He loves him. He loves him. And then he fires him as his special counsel. He turns around. He looks like he's going to leave. He turns back around, gives him the Superman punch. The Usos get to steal chairs for Roman. It looks like he's going for the concerto to totally demolish Paul. And then here comes the conquering hero, Brock Lesnar, in those overalls to a huge pop from the Chicago crowd. He comes out. He destroys the Usos on the outside with F5s. He gets into the ring to confront Roman. Roman attacks him with the steel chair. But Brock no-sells all of that, picks him up, F5. After the fans chanted one more time, again, he picks him up a second F5, and that's how we end the show with Brock Lesnar standing tall. I thought that this closing segment was fantastic. Yeah. Paul, Paul Heyman was amazing with like the facial expressions, his body language, the way he was reacting to things Roman was saying. Roman was just his impeccable self, one of the best characters in wrestling right now with his just delivery of his lines from just asking the questions to hugging Heyman and thanking him and everything. That it was, was just perfect. And then Brock <laughs> Lesnar, I can't believe how great Brock Lesnar has been as a babyface. He yep. is just so great. Got the fans behind him. What did you think, Dutch? Well, first of all, nobody expected that. No. I didn't expect it because I thought it was – I knew something was going to happen because – but see, that's the beauty of being a fan. But when they kind of drag you into it and keep dragging you into it and keep dragging you into it, well, you know something is coming, but I didn't expect it tonight. And so when he fired him, I went, oh, 
<laughs> I didn't, and nobody else saw it coming either. No. Then when he punched him, that kind of seals it. Now you know that Brock is in the building. So when he get ready to really kill Heyman, because of all this thought, to, thought that fans have going through their head, he's involved with Brock's some way. They just can't prove it, or nobody's really brought it to light. But now you think it's going to be brought to light. And so Brock does come in and stand tall and keeps Heyman from getting killed. So now day one takes on more meaning. Yes, there's a different dynamic. That's what that was my main issue with this whole story. Like I've loved the story, but it's felt stagnant for a while, especially ever since Crown Jewel. Like nothing's changed. We still have the same story that was set up after SummerSlam. This here was the first real progression that we have gotten to the story where we we, uh, you know, we've been speculating for weeks now, Dutch. You've been saying, oh, I think they're going to do a double turn with Brock going heel, Roman turning baby Well, face. we saw I, half that tonight. No, I, what we saw is the, the one person that you didn't say was going to turn was the actual person who turned. Paul Heyman turned him, baby I had him, I had him, well, I had thought about a double turn. Yes. But they can't double turn because that would make Roman a baby face. So where does that leave Brock? And Brock's too popular right now. No, where does that leave The Rock? Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. Uh, Where does does that leave him? He he has to have a strong heel to match Rock's stardom. That's true. So, but I think they, uh, this caught me by surprise, but it's still, that helps the whole angle because now they've done something. All this four months, they've been working this four months. Yeah. At least, right? Yeah. So, and now something happens, and somebody was, ex- you know, the fans, you know, they expect something to happen anyway. It's like watching a movie. You know something's got to happen. And they did it, but I didn't expect it tonight. So, now you won't see Heyman. You may not see him at day one, but I think you will. I think so. Um, I could also you this gives this could all be a ruse as well from uh, from Heyman and and Roman. Like this could be uh, a Good. ruse, and he like he's the one that he's the reason why Roman retains at day one. So there's a lot of different ways they can go with this. Uh, thought this was a great ending to the show. Well, now they have something to play with. Yes, if they don't have something concrete in mind, they'll go back. I guess they'll they'll be meeting tomorrow, and they'll say, "Well, what do you think?" And they will take their preliminary uh, thoughts, and they'll throw them out on the table, yeah. and they see where it goes from there. So that uh, day one is two weeks away. Uh yeah. Or is it three? Two. Two weeks away, basically, because okay. uh, next Saturday is Christmas. The Saturday after that is day one. Okay. Then I don't think we'll see. What do you think you'll see on SmackDown next week? I don't know. I, I thought it was a real shocker. The biggest shock for me tonight was Brock Lesnar being on the show. This is three weeks in a row. I think this is the most I've ever seen Brock on consecutive weeks since his return all the way back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Like this, uh, so I don't know if Brock's gonna be on the show next week. If 
if it's not a big city, I could see him taking that week off and then being back for the go home. How many show. fans we got watching this right now? Can you tell? We got about seventy, uh, about eighty, eighty or so. Okay. Well, what do they think? They think yeah. What do you guys think? I hadn't you- saw any comments tonight. Uh, we got we got uh, Matt's caps uh, says Heyman definitely going to help Roman Reigns at uh, day one. So he thinks it's all a ruse. That's what he's saying. But well, we got uh, Steve Stephen uh, Chambers says Brock wins the belt at day one. Roman gets it back at Royal Rumble. So a little little difference. But in opinion. Hey, your your ruse makes sense. Yeah. Because why would yeah, why would I, it, that, I think the part that got me is like why would Heyman now now is the time that he's gonna admit that he's protecting you know uh, Roman over Brock why would he it it seems strange why out of nowhere he would just admit it but see this is what makes this angle good because now you and I of course that's what we're supposed to talk about but fans are saying I wonder they're they're thinking. I wonder where this is going now, and that's when you get sellouts. When you don't, when a when an angle is interesting, and you don't know really who's going to win or where it's going to go, that's when you people said, "I'm going to go see this," or "I'm going to watch it on day one to pay per view." Yeah, on the peacock. Well, I, th- I, th- on I the think I, I think I think it'll do well, and. That's probably the only what what other match do they have on there that's intriguing? Uh, they got Bobby Lashley versus Big E versus Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins for the WWE. Is that interesting? Title. Uh it should be a great match. I don't think I don't think they told the story too well because they presented Bobby Lashley as a babyface on Monday. But I think mm-hmm. it's gonna be a great match with those performers. And mm-hmm. Edge and uh Miz have been uh doing like building up to a grudge match. Is so, Miz gonna be in the uh Hall of Fame? The this year's Hall of Fame? I think so. No, no, not that no. I, not that no. I heard of at least. Uh, not that I heard of at least. But I read uh, it somewhere. I, I will. Oh, I, I will. know where I read it. I wrote it down, and then I read it back to myself. That's probably where I heard it. So Nicely done. see, Nicely I'm, done. I'm ahead of the game anyway. <laughs> Well, we got to move over to uh, Rampage, AEW Rampage. Uh, they started, they kicked things off with an eight man tag team matchup of uh, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and the Young Bucks versus Orange Cassidy, Rocky Romero, and Best Friends with Trent making his in ring return since his return from injury. Okay, what happened to Trent? He hurt his neck? He had a surgically repaired neck, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, so they they did work on that match, uh, work on that during the matchup. They did like a a power bomb uh, to the apron on the neck, so that was uh, a brutal spot. OC got an early advantage uh, before the super kick gained the advantage on him, hitting a three way super kick. Uh, the super kick did a lot of this click did a lot of uh, mocking of Orange Cassidy's hands in the pocket. Uh, mm-hmm. Young Bucks did that for like a double team at one point. How many uh, super kicks did we see tonight on Rampage? In this match alone, there had to be about six or seven. Uh, <laughs> we had one moment that I thought was funny with uh, Orange Cassidy was in the super click kiss of death, camel clutch by Adam Cole, and he reversed it and then kissed Cole on the cheek, uh, yeah. which got a nice pop from the crowd. 
Uh, then uh, the match broke down. Trent ran wild for the hot tag. He did a nice little reun- reunion with Rocky Romero with some Rapongi 3K offense. Then he did the hug with with uh, with Chucky e. T. We get a series of dives to the outside, ending with Orange Cassidy hitting a springboard flip dive on the super click. And then in the ring, Trent hit the strong zero on uh, Bobby Fish to get the victory in 13 minutes and 28 seconds. What did you think about this opening? Good match. Good match. I like Cassidy walking the top rope and doing the mock of the what's that, the young buck? Yeah. Who okay. And that was good. And they did some hellacious moves in this. And it was kind of sequenced correctly too. Yeah. And didn't seem to be too much of a speed fest. Calmed it down a little bit. So I mean it's wrestling, so you this just gotta the- judge it, judge it on what to do. And I, I, I kind of liked that first match. It was good. This was really a fun good. way to and and good show. finish too. Yeah. Who who won it? Cassidy. No, Trent. Since he was Trent making won his, it, and yeah. who did pin? He pinned uh, Bobby Fish. Okay. So yeah, that was the the right finish because Trent was making his return and everything. We got the best friends hugging to celebrate afterwards. We come back from commercial break and we see the return of Dan Lambert and he is with the uh, men of the year, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. He's talking trash about Tony Khan, man, and uh, just giving shots to the EVP and friends like Cody Rhodes. This leads to Cody coming down. Uh, We just get both Cody and um and and Dan Lambert fighting over the microphone. Cody didn't say anything. Did he, he didn't say anything. Yeah, Nothing. they just fought over the microphone before. I mean, Cody I see why, but Cody brawled with uh, the men of the year. They get the advantage, so his brother Dustin comes out for the save. Men of the year still have control until Sammy Guevara comes out. He hits a crazy uh, springboard cutter on uh, well, Scorpio did. Sky. And then we get a stare down between the champion and challenger, Cody and Sammy, before they go for the TNT title. Okay. Next. Sammy Guerrero. How do you say his last name? Guevara. Guevara, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And Cody, they have a issue? Well, Cody challenged, because Sammy has an open challenge for the TNT title, so uh, Cody accepted the challenge for next okay. week's Christmas Day rampage. Right. You know what I didn't like about this? I mean, if you're going to come down, and I know why they do this, but Cody was a minute for his intro. I mean, it was was totally Hollywood show business, which was impressive if you just come in for a match. But if you're going to impromptu come in a match, you know, that all has to be – people know that. Yeah. But I think it was a little bit too staged. And he comes in the ring. He doesn't say anything. He just beat him up. And then in comes Dustin. Then he gets beat up. So yeah. explain this Dan Lambert. We we had him in TNA or somebody had him in TNA. Yes. He was and that's uh, when he with, had that Bucky Covington or what is his name? Yeah, they were doing the American top team stuff with like, yeah. Bobby Lashley was a part of it. Basically, basically his gimmick in, in AEW is he repeats a lot of complaints that your old friend Jim Cornette has about AEW. That's basically his gimmick. His gimmick is he watches Jim Cornette's podcast and he repeats all his criticisms about AEW on camera. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically the gimmick. Yeah. That's the best way I, I could describe it. <laughs> but anyway, that 
that was good for what it was. And what are yeah. they going? What are, uh, what is next week on Rampage? They advertised their card. Is yes. it Guevara and Cody next week? Yes, uh, it's not going to be on Friday. So we we if we are doing SmackDown on Christmas Eve, we're going to be starting at 10 p.m. because there's no Rampage. Uh, Rampage will be on Christmas Day at 9 p.m. on Saturday. And that's the main event, Cody versus Sammy. They also announced uh, Hook will make his second match in AEW versus Bear Bronson on that show. Didn't Hook do an interview on uh, on the Wednesday night show? No, he didn't do an interview. They did a recap of his uh, debut. And uh, Hook has proven that he is a little bit of a draw as well. He's the number one T-shirt on PWTs this mm-hmm. week. He's the first person to pass CM Punk on PWT since CM Punk's debut. Good. That's great. Very good. Hook, Hook Nation. And he's your boy. Wow, he's your yes. boy. Hook gang. Absolutely. Yeah, um, the Hook gang. <laughs> there you go. We then saw a vignette uh, hyping up the TBS Women's Championship Tournament with promos from Thunder Rosa, Jade Cargill, Ruby Soho, and Nyla Rose. Dutch, out of those four women, who do you think is going to be the first TBS Women's Champion. Okay, it's uh, Nala Rose, Soho. Who's the other two? Jay Cargill. Yeah. Thunder Rosa. Uh, I think, well, it's a, it's a flip the coin. I like Thunder Rosa. I like her. I think she's got fire. She's got a good interview. And... I think well, I think the people like her too, because that's that's what I would I would think. I think AEW has a better women's division than WWE does. Wow, why do you say that? Because they look better all around. I think they work better because and these are all unknown girls, basically. Yeah. See, we know Charlotte Flair, and we know Sasha, and we know uh, we'll know we'll know Natalia, and we know Naomi. Remember what I said a couple weeks ago? Give me some new girls. Yeah. Because all that is, see, I've heard people try to explain wrestling. See, wrestling used to be high female fans. Till uh, ECW came along. And you look at an ECW crowd, very few women in that audience. Because it was too bloody. It was too violent. True. They didn't want to see that. And But now you see, uh, of course, uh, WWE come along and they got the good looking beauty queens is what they have. But most of them can't really wrestle, can't work. Yeah. And then AEW comes along, and they still have those good-looking girls, but they can go. They can work. Because I remember years and years ago, you would see women in the crowd with their husbands, and I'm thinking, you know, she's watching half-naked men. So what it is, really like, it's male burlesque is what it is. So she's going there to, like, of course, to support her husband. 
But that's not the reason she's really going. She's going to, to look at those half-naked guys. And it's like guys go when these girls come out. They can say what they want to. Oh, don't judge me on my body. Well, that might be good to say, but it's not what's happening. Sure. Guys are, I mean, that's, that's nature. And I mean, if you're, if you're not being judged on your body, then why do you... Why do some of these women dress like they do? I mean, they take offense to that, some of them. Yeah. Like, oh, well, don't look at me. And what well, you got your dress halfway up to your ass and your breasts are popping out. So what what do you want me to look at? That's, uh, the, only I don't place, know. that's the only place I can't I, I can't not look. Um, but you forgot See, one. if a woman says don't look if she sees you looking at her breast, you can say, I'm not looking at your breast. I'm looking at your heart. <laughs> this guy Dutch is a smooth operator. And Ozzy is right. Sid does love Thunder Rosa. And Dutch forgot one key, key accolade that Thunder Rosa has. This picture. Oh, this that's picture. it. Yes, that's, that's, it. That, 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 that's the winning. That's the winning formula right there. Good looking woman. And with a lot of fire. And I think if she would uh if she would win that thing, it would be good. I you like my cigar here tonight? I've been trying to smoke I, this thing. I've been trying to smoke this thing all day long and hadn't got to it yet. I've so. been seeing. I've been seeing you playing around with this. So. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rapture uh, marks. Remember that? Ah, oh, you rubbed me the wrong way, and I don't know how you rubbed me. Yeah, yeah. But speaking <laughs> of the women's division, uh, you had next Tay Conti going one on one with uh, Penelope Ford in a submission match. Uh, Tay came out very hot, uh, runs right into the ring to attack Penelope Ford before the bell. Anna J and the Bunny are at ringside. Ford cracks uh, the ring the ring post with her right hand after going for a chop on. Uh, that that was good. Yeah, that was a good spot. Uh, but Tay gets the victory with a cool-looking uh, submission where she has I, both I've arms never, trapped. I've never seen that submission before. Me either. Like, both arms trapped with the legs wrapped behind the neck, and then she pulled back on her on her neck uh, like, like like with the chin lock at the same time to get the tap-out victory. But after the match, the bunny came in and hit her with the brass knuckles to lay her out. So it seems like their issue is still not over yet. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the submission match? Oh, I liked, I liked it. Hey, I popped on the submission. I said, I've never seen that before. And, you know, after you've watched so many of these guys, you, uh, you know, you watch Danielson and you watch all these yeah. guys and you think they would come up with that. And the girls came up with it. And I went, wow. Now I'm thinking, where did she learn that? Did she teach herself or did somebody show her that? Well, she does a lot of judo, and she's a she's a black belt in judo. So I would think maybe uh, maybe she she learned it from somebody. I don't know. Who knows? But maybe. But, but it was it was good. It was <laughs> very good. So I think I would take that match and kind of put it in a video somewhere. I mean, if you're going to advertise your or for a big show, I would show her rolling into that and hooking it on. It was actually a thing of beauty, really. I wish I could. I used to have a remote where I could hit stop and then slow mo back or slow mo forward. I can't do that now. I don't know why. But that's that's. Uh, I don't even know what the name of it is. Did they give it a name or no? 
or did it have a name? No, they didn't even give it a name. They just, they just like she just did it and won with it. It was like a flash type of like submission out of nowhere. I thought it felt like a little bit more realistic that way that they didn't even know what the hell she was trying to do. Well, it was good. Yeah. So, if you had to push, okay, let's throw the the bad crap out of SmackDown. That hour that we sit there like there, like in a trance. So the hour that was decent in SmackDown compared to the hour on Rampage, what would you rate it? The better show? Um, I thought Rampage was the better show because it wasn't. A, I, I didn't have to deal with an hour of lull. Like yeah. I felt like the first thirty minutes of SmackDown was strong. I felt like the last thirty minutes of SmackDown was very strong, but the middle portion was just really bad. Uh, we do have a question here um, from Prati, uh, who says, "Should Sami Zayn also re-sign with WWE, or would you like to see him in AEW, Dutch?" I want him to re-sign with WWE because. I think they really haven't discovered Sami Zayn. You know what I mean? We know what he can do on the interviews. Hey, when you send him out there, he takes what he's got and makes it better. I think when he goes to AEW, he will be just another name in a long list. And what you might do, he might make money there, but you, he may not do anything there. I mean, you can't, you only got so many slots. It's an hour show. How many shows they got? Two? Two. Two main shows. They have two more on YouTube. Two more on what? On YouTube. Yeah. But you want uh, your main shows to have you have your top stars. Great. And you see, uh, Rusev, when's the last time you saw him? Is he on the Wednesday well, night show? He's, he's hurt because you remember his last couple of matches, he had the taped up leg. So he's okay. basically re- rehabbing that at the moment. So that's why he hasn't been on the last couple of weeks. But speaking of uh, Wednesday, I, Swagger. Well, hey, oh, the last time Hager was on the show was the 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 inner circle uh, matchup. I'm not sure if he's getting ready for a fight or not, but I don't I don't know. It is weird that yeah, he if he don't pay me show. that money, he owes me. We're going to have a fight. There you go. So but, if he if he beats the crap out of me, I say okay, I, I wrote it off. I wanted to ask you what you thought um, because you mentioned Ric Flair earlier and he is a man that is known for going Broadway on AEW Dynamite. They had their, their longest match ever, a 60-minute time limit draw with Brian, with Brian Danielson and Hangman Page. Do you think that that was the right decision to make it a draw? And what do you think in general about hour-long matches on national on TV? TV? Yeah. Well... I think a 30-minute draw would have been better, I think, because I think they could have put all their stuff in in a shorter time. But if he had confidence enough to have them go, and Danielson did, and I heard it was a great match. It was. And uh, and I salute Tony Khan for having the balls to book it. See, when you book something, you don't know how it's going to turn out. You are hoping for the best. <clears throat> but he said, you know, if we do this an hour and it drags in the middle. Can these guys pick them up? 
you know, he's had, he's had to have some second thoughts about that. Of course, yeah. Danielson, I don't think he ever doubted it. No, I don't he think, knew he, he, I don't think, he was going to do that. Yeah, but I think the Page kid may have because how long has he been working? Um, He's been working since about 2012, 2013, so okay. less than 10 years. But but nowhere near the experience of a Danielson, no, right? No, okay. not, not 20 So he may have like even him. doubted it himself. Yeah. And that's where Danielson has got to come in and say, don't worry about it, brother. I got it. Just do what, what we plan and just – did you see it? I thought it was it was tremendous. I would definitely okay. say, Dutch, it's worth it's worth you going out of your time to watch because I think the last time I saw an hour-long match on national TV was – well, they did kind of want an impact. I've never, I've never seen one. Well, the last one, the last one they had in WWE was Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle, their Iron Man match back in 2003. But there's a difference between an Iron Man match and a 60 minute time limit draw on a world title match. You mm. don't know the match is going 60 minutes until like they get like 40 minutes in. In an yeah. Iron Man match, you know you don't have to watch the first 40 minutes because the match really doesn't start to the last 15, 20 minutes in an Iron right. Man match. So that's what made this match so different. And just Brian Danielson's pacing of a match, it was 60 minutes, and it never felt like that. So yeah. this is the same guy that did a 30-minute match with Ke Kenny Omega in his first match in AEW, and that match felt like 10 minutes. So yeah. there's just something about Brian Danielson. It doesn't matter the length of the match. He just it, he has a tremendous and impeccable pacing. Well, I've often said that that is a finish that's – it's almost <clears throat> it's almost a forgotten finish is the time limit draw. And the old school, the old school name for it was a Broadway – yeah. Why it was named Broadway, I, I really don't have any idea. Nobody ever told me. But going Broadway, <clears throat> and my first year in the business, I went to Broadway almost 15 minutes every night. But yeah. that is a way, if you got two good wrestlers, two good guys, two good talents, and you know they can go 15 minutes, why not do a Broadway? Because you're saving one of them. You're not beating one of them. Because if you beat that guy a couple of times to the fans, no matter how good he is, he can't win. Yeah. But if you keep that, uh, say, a 10-minute Broadway, then take it to a 20, then take it to a 30, if they're that good, I mean, that that is a great finish. because And the fans don't feel cheated. You know, when you get up to 20 minutes or whatever, and then all of a sudden he cheats or foot on the ropes, they kind of feel cheated a little bit. Yeah. But I think if you go Broadway, they can see what the, the result was and you you didn't and you didn't lose. I had another thing too is see if you have a hated heel, he could go Broadway and then since he didn't lose, people would be pissed off. And promoter could go to the ring and say, Oh no, we don't recognize time limit draws here. We must have a winner, so we're gonna ask the fans. So you ask the fans, of course they're gonna vote the baby face as the winner. But the fans beat the heel, and they would love that. Yeah. So now, he, if, if you want to send him out so he can attack the fans, you don't like me, and this, that, and the other, and blah, 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 blah. Now he has a platform to go off on them. And I don't know if that worked, but it, it worked one time, I think. I thought, what if I had Sami Zayn do that? Of course, the people would love to vote Sami Zayn down. Yeah. And he could just bitch and moan and cry, but they beat him. 
not his opponent. Absolutely. I, I thought it was I, I in the moment, I didn't think it was the right finish because I felt like the because of the energy of the crowd, the right finish probably would have been Hangman winning with a minute to go because mm-hmm. the crowd were kind of on the edge of the seat when when it was like when they said five minutes to go. So if they would have ended it right when the match, when this time limit was coming, I felt like that would have been a little bit more impact, uh, more impactful. But this was all about this finish setting up the main event for a battle of the belts. They only had three weeks before that big show. So they had to set up the main event that way. So I understand. And I feel like a hangman is going to be the first guy to beat Brian Danielson in AEW. So in the long run, this will, this will all work out for itself, but they confirmed a bunch of matches for Wednesday, as well as Christmas day, as well as a big announcement for the Owen Hart cup coming up. Uh, Dutch. Now, they announced- now it, when it, when is that? They announced that there's going to be a men's and women's Owen Hart Cup, and it's going to begin in May. And the winner is going to be decided at Double or Nothing 2022. Of course, May is the month where Owen Hart passed away in 1999, and it is the month of his birthday. So uh, it makes sense why they would make May the month of the okay. Owen Hart. Owen Hart died in Kansas City. Yes. In May of what year? 1999. Over you the remember, you remember that? I remember watching it and just being it was very surreal watching, honestly. My god, yes. Uh, I they, remember seeing uh, the Jeff Jarrett interviews that they did on Raw. The one they I, did immediately after was just hard to watch. It's it's still hard to watch to this day. They interview he's like one of Owen Hart's best friends, and they interviewed him right after Owen fell on that night. And and I I guess that's what I saw. Yeah. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, there's a little bit of exploitation there. And it was kind of, he loved Owen. Everybody loved Owen anyway. Owen was a good guy. A lot of stories about Owen. Owen could go to a town, stay three days, and come out with more money than he went in with. How? Well, people would he would stay with people. You know, he he said, I, "I come to make money. I don't come to spend money." They would feed him, they would drive him around, they would do everything. They loved Owen. The fans loved Owen because they wanted to be with him, and he was just he was the cheapest guy. You know, you know, wrestlers are not noted for their splurging. No. And he's probably the best one I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he would have the fans meet. He would have fans meet him at the airport, pick him up, get his bags, put him in the car. They'd go off, and then they'd stop and eat, and they would pay for his food. And then he would take them to the to the matches. Of course, he'd get them through the back door and get ready to go. Then they would go get him a room or whatever, or stay with them. Feed him the next day, buy him beer or whatever. He, he didn't spend anything. <clears throat> he had it down to an art. <laughs> so, and Owen Hart is, you know, he's one of the guys like, you don't hear anybody say anything bad about Owen Hart. He was a good guy. In his heart, he was a good guy, you know. And he was always ribbing and playing around and, but I've never met anybody in the wrestling business that had anything to, bad to say about Owen. Now they had some things to say about Brett. You know, he was a 
he was the heat getter in the family. And he was like a, a, a Bobby Eaton. Yeah. Nobody ever said anything bad about Bobby. Because if you if you didn't like Bobby, there was something wrong with you, not wrong with him. Great, great guy. No. And I, I actually miss both of them, Bobby especially, because I met him. Actually, I met him. He was like, he had just started wrestling. So yeah. I met him in Huntsville, Alabama, and I watched him work, and I went, damn, where's this guy been? So I remember he was getting dressed, and I went up, and I introduced myself because I didn't know him. And he, he said, when he said his name, uh, Bobby Eaton, you can't even, he was hard to understand anyway. But I asked him, I said, hey, man, how, where'd you come in from? He said, know where I live here. <laughs> so he, he started there. I thought he'd been in another territory learning the business, but he wasn't. He, he was self-taught. So him and another guy, they, they got him a ring and they taught themselves how to, how to work. And he turned into the worker he is by watching all these other guys and taking, taking hints and stuff. So, but, and Owen especially, you know, great guy. How did, how did Martha Hart, that's her name, right? Mm -hmm. The wife? Dr. Martin, Martha. How did, how did she get contacted about this? Didn't WWE um, contact her about I, something and she turned it down? Did WWE just wanted to put Owen into the WWE Hall of Fame and try to make him into a character in the video game, the action figures and stuff. And Martha didn't want that. She didn't want the company that she feels killed her husband to make money off her husband. Right. So, and this was... Let me, just let me ask you this. She sued WWE in the building and sued a bunch of people and the, and yeah. the vendor with the... What did she receive out of that? I believe she, uh, she received the settlement. Because that's yeah. how she start, that's how she started the Owen Hart Foundation is from the settlement money from her uh, settling out of court with WWE. I heard twelve million. It was a it was a okay. What, a, what is the know. organization she has? What is the Owen Hart Foundation or the funder? Um, I what mean, do they do? I believe they do uh, research into like. Um, helping families and stuff like that. I'm not too certain. I can't 100%. I don't have it in front of me, so I can't really uh, say 100% what the uh, organization is fighting for. But uh, I do know she's done a, a bunch of, like, uh, helping out with, like, different charities and whatnot to, you know, promote the Owen Hart Foundation. So definitely uh, this is, like, a partnership between the Owen Hart Foundation and AEW more than just the Hart family and AEW. But besides well, good, the, good, good for her. Good absolutely. for her. So besides the Owen Hart Cup, they also confirmed AEW Dynamite Holiday Bash coming up in Greensboro on Wednesday. Uh, they got Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy, Malachi Black versus Griff Garrison. They're going to have a Christmas party with Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone, Ruby Soho versus Nyla Rose in the TBS Women's Championship Tournament, and then the big trios matchup of CM Punk, Darby Allin, and Sting versus MJF and FTR. So that should be a really good one. And Sting and that's back in, in Greensboro, Greensboro, right? Yeah. The what that, day is that? That's on Wednesday. And that's the same place Sting versus uh, Ric Flair at the 1988 Clash of Champions. Hey, that Greensboro was the, it was like the Madison Square Garden of the Mid-Atlantic. So, and they would run there, I think, 
once a month, once every six weeks, but a big show. And it was a it was a wide wide open crowd. Yeah. So always always a pretty good crowd in in that area. Also Rampage Christmas Day next week. Hook versus Bear Bronson, Sammy Guevara versus Cody Rose for the TNT championship. We then got the pre-main event interview with Mark Henry interviewing 2.0, the acclaimed, and Daniel Garcia, as well as Eddie Kingston, Lucha Bros, and Santana Ortiz. (laughs) All we hear from is 2.0 talking trash to Kingston about him making some friends for tonight before Eddie just says, we're going to beat your ass. So, Mark, say your your line. And the whole crowd said it with him. The yeah, time what, what for was the line now? Well, the, what is it? The, well, the, over. T- the time for talking is over. It's time <laughs> for the main event. Yeah, he got that over. That was good. <laughs> Yo, I but but he, crowd, he has gotten crowd. better. He has gotten better. And because the first time he did it, I went, my God. But he got better. And Kingston picked up on it, I guess, or somebody told him, or he just said it. And that fits Kingston's Kingston's personality. Yeah. Boy, when he goes to the ring, he's 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 hell bent to get there. He just leaves them behind. <clears throat> but I think Rampage had a pretty good show tonight. Yeah, this uh, this main event was a lot of fun to to watch. Uh, the Masscaster pre pre match rap is broken up by the babyface. We get a brawl on the outside at ringside before the bell can start. Uh, the action breaks down after the commercial. Santana makes a comeback. He makes the hot tag to Penta. Penta tags Phoenix, who runs wild. He botches a twisting splash, but he turns it into a knee drop on Daniel Garcia from the top rope. I don't know if you saw that part, but I was just like, ow, why would you, ow, that is a botch that probably hurt more than the regular move would have hurt the person. Uh, Lucha Bros hit stereo dives, taking out 2.0. It comes down to Kingston and Garcia, and Garcia pulls out a roll-up victory over Eddie Kingston with a handful of tights to get the victory for the heels in eight and a half minutes. Post-match 2.0, the acclaimed and Daniel Garcia jump Eddie Kingston after the match until Jurassic Express and Christian Cage make the save. There is a story down between Jurassic Express and Lucha Bros with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus handing the titles to Penta and Phoenix as they tease Jurassic Express as the number one contenders for the tag team titles. What did you think about the eight-man tag and what did you think about the post-match with the uh, showdown with <clears throat> Well, I didn't see the whole show because I forgot what happened to my cable or something. It was blinking in and out and so... But I did like uh, I did like the matchup, and uh, and that Kingston he's he's doing a he's doing a stone cold a stone cold transition in AEW. Yeah, but he he's getting over big time, and his interviews match his work. He didn't talk too long. He, he talks right to the point, and and that gets over. So that was Rampage that was like had, the had, had they had some good matches tonight. That was the first time in a row that I really heard a crowd give a visceral booing to a handful of tights finish. Yeah. Like they were, I agree with you. The fans are really behind Eddie Kingston because that was mm-hmm. the whole reason they felt like their guy got robbed here and they booed the hell out of that finish. Hey, let me ask you a question before we wrap this thing up. Yeah. Uh, Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green. They had a deal that he hit her with a chair and knocked her out. Yes. Is that true? Yes, that was on. Because I heard the chair kind of 
I don't know if that was hands or her head. I, I don't so know he if took he her to really, the hospital. I don't know if he really hit her or not. I know this is a part of the angle on uh, Impact on Access TV this week where uh, Cardona got into to a brawl with the Impact World Champion Moose. He was about to hit Moose with the chair, and then Moose moved, and he hit Chelsea Green instead. So I don't know if he really hit her with it, but uh, they are playing it up very heavily on social media. I, th- I think he whacked her a little bit. Because she's a lot shorter than Moose. Yeah. So when a guy ducks, you're aiming for the head, and I don't know, you're trying to not hit something you can't see. So he may have knocked her out. Okay, there's one more thing. Uh, what's the guy's name? Hannibal? Oh, yes. The, yeah. Hannibal? Yes. What did you think what about? What happened there? What happened there? Uh, basically, Hannibal went into business for himself at an event that he wasn't really scheduled for. He jumps in the ring, and he basically used, like, a spike to uh, he didn't have. A, he had a match, didn't he? No. I don't think he was. He was supposed no, to be. He had on... a match against Carlitos. Oh, okay. So he wasn't scheduled. Well, he wasn't scheduled for the spot where he attacks the referee and basically oh. stabs him in the head multiple times with the spike. And uh, yeah, just some real damage to that referee. And now people are basically blackballing Hamble and not willing to work with him after his going into business. I think there's more to this story than what they're letting out. Oh, there's a, there's. Probably let me ask you. Let me ask you something, Sid. Yeah. If a guy's on top of you and stabbing you, what are you going to do? Aren't you going to try to leave? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to run. <laughs> Aren't you going to try to get out, out of there? I mean, but I saw the guy's head. It looked like a stapler gun more than anything else. Yeah. Oh, my God. It but was, anyway, it was it was very rough uh, to to watch for sure. Well, I'm glad Rick's not here, so he can't talk bad about you, Sid. So I appreciate, but that. I, I but I hope he is better. Yes, I, he's a good he's a good guy. He's probably might maybe getting a little sick about his Cincinnati team going up against Alabama in the first round, and that will be uh, two weeks. There you go. So two weeks to two weeks tonight, right? You can expect Dutch to talk some trash to uh, Rick on that next week, right here on Smack Talk. Let us know if you're watching us on demand what you thought about SmackDown and Rampage in the comments below. Dutch, is there anything you want to plug before we sign off? Well, I'm writing a new another book, so it's I hope it's going to come out. I had planned to write it to put it out for Christmas. I got all the stuff written down and. and this will be uh, things I haven't covered before. Most of the things I covered were, and it, it'll still be about wrestling. Yeah. But it'll cover some of my background that I have never, never let out before because I didn't think anybody would be interested in it. But when I do tell people something about my background, they go, you know, they're, they can't, they're not calling me a liar, <laughs> but they just not saying, oh, damn, what the hell? Because a, a lot of guys in wrestling, this is what I say about wrestling sometimes. If you, if you have wrestling royalty, you can, you can make a living out of this business. And what I mean by wrestling loyalty, like the Samoans, if you're yeah. a Samoan, I mean, the path is kind of laid down for you. Our Cody Rhodes, our Dustin Rhodes, our McMahon, our, you know, if you had the name and you had the, 
the family background, but see, I never had that stuff. So you hear about Ric Flair's father was a doctor. Well, my father had a third grade education. He grew up with Cadillac cars. I grew up with them bicycles, maybe. But see, that's the part that people, people don't know. But it would make probably an interesting read amongst this other stuff. So uh, hopefully it comes out in the next year. I don't have a name for it. Uh, I'm coming up uh, with, with, a, with a good name. My second book was called Tales from a Dirt Road. Yep. Very, very well, not a well-written book, but an interesting book. Stone Cold told me, he said, I don't, I've never read one wrestling book in my life. He said, I read your book in one night because it's chapters that are not connected. It's not linear. It doesn't start here and end here. It might start here in Memphis and then go to Charlotte and then go to WWF and then go to Florida and then go to Puerto Rico. And so every chapter was different. You could put the book down at any time, pick up on the next chapter and start a whole, a whole new uh, uh, story. So people people enjoy that. So uh, if you want to get a hold of me, dirtydustmantel at gmail.com. So if you email me, most of the time I I reply most of the time, not always. So what do you got going on, Sid? You got uh, 400 shows. <laughs> Just one, really. Uh, True uh, Hill Heat tomorrow, 11.05 a.m. Eastern time over on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. We are doing our fifth annual True Hill Heat year-end awards. So I come like it. over. Come over and celebrate the end of 2021 with us, our final True Hill Heat episode of 2021. So join us over there and subscribe to the channel. Follow me on the Twitter machine at True Heel SP3. Of course, you could see myself and Dutch right back here next week with Rick Uchino on Smack Talk right here on the Sports Keto Wrestling YouTube channel. So drop a thumbs up on the video, share it with your friends, subscribe if you are new. So for Dutch Mantel, it is me, it is me, your True Hill Phenom, SP3. And this has been our review of SmackDown and Rampage. So for Rick Uchino, who is not with us this week, this has been SmackDown.